You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast, episode number five. Well, hello, hello, my friends. You guys, it's Paula B from PaulaBFitness.com, and you're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every Sunday we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. And this one, like always, totally matters. And you know what? Even if you don't think it matters, I'm super glad that you clicked on it because this one, this one is one of those things where it kind of mostly matters because it's the time of year that we talk about this kind of thing. We are talking about making successful resolutions. I know. No, and some of you are like, I don't like to make resolutions, not a fan. Resolutions feel so, so whatever, so forced, so difficult, so lots of different things. And if that is you, thank you especially for clicking on this episode because here's the thing about making successful resolutions. You know, sometimes on this podcast, if if you have listened before, if you haven't listened before, I mean, thank you, welcome. I'm super happy to meet you. I'm glad you're here. If, you know, this is your first time, make sure that you follow or subscribe or whatever so that, you know, we can talk again next week. But if you have listened before, you know that like 90% of the time, at least 90% of the time, I try really hard to have really practical advice for you. I mean, yes, we have these conversations and they're kind of open-ended in terms of like, I'll tell you something, maybe I'll share, you know, some personal stories along the way. And then I'll try to impart some kind of, here's how you can do this in your own life. And honestly, I'm thinking about this right now while I'm talking about it. I'm trying to think. No, there's been a couple of there's been a couple of podcast episodes that were really truly story time only. But I think even then, you know, I'm such a bossy girl. I feel like I feel like no matter what we talk about, I always try and tell you what to do. Like that's just kind of who I am. <laughs> so so I feel like there's always some level of practical advice. And generally speaking, there's going to be somewhere between like three and five steps. Like here's the five things you need to do to set a goal, or here's the, you know, the three things that you need to do to run a 5k, you know, whatever like that. But here's the thing about making successful resolutions. There's kind of there's kind of only two main things that you need to do, and I'm breaking them into two completely separate podcasts. This is part one, and this is the part that I think almost everybody skips. You guys, today we're making a successful resolution, or making successful resolutions, plural, for 2020, by recapping 2019. I have to tell you, this is something that I honestly didn't start doing until, you know what, three years ago. And I remember exactly where this idea came from. There's this girl, Kelly, that I hope is listening actually, who used to comment all the time on all my videos and she's going through her own stuff right now and has commented less, but I know that she still, she still pops in once in a while. And I really appreciate her as a follower and frankly, as somebody who has become a friend. But three years ago, at the end of 2016, she and I were, I mean, again, on Facebook or YouTube or somewhere, we're having a conversation, as one does in the comments section, about, you know, setting goals, making resolutions, looking forward to the next year. And, you know, I was doing my fitness trainer thing, which I do, where I talk about, hey, let's look forward, let's set goals and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, hey, you know what? One of the things that I really like to do is look back and make a list of all the things that I accomplished in the year prior. And I have to tell you, that idea absolutely blew my mind. I had probably heard of it before. I mean, sure, you should always look back and, you know, 
think about your successes. That's super nice. But I had never until then sat down and actually written things out. It was a game changer. Now, 2016 happens to be, it was such a good year for me. Oh my gosh. It was, I think it was one of those things where I'd had such a good year that the idea of, hey, sit down and write down all your accomplishments felt very easy. And that's why I actually did it. So I'm hoping that this advice hits you that exact way this year. Like you've had just enough success that you're like, oh my gosh, I could actually make a list. Because, you know, sometimes, Sometimes we'll look back at like particularly rough years or years where we accomplish things kind of early on in the year and then sort of fizzled out a little bit later. Sometimes the idea of making a list of your accomplishments feels hard to do. I mean, truly, it feels like, well, geez, I didn't do anything or I did so few things that it's not even like a big deal or, you know, we get kind of that that negative thinking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm prone to this kind of thinking myself. So, so in 2016, I had literally just run a Boston qualifying marathon. I had literally just a couple of months prior to that run. Oh my gosh. No, you know what? 2016 was not, no, it was 2016 was the year. Oh my goodness. 2016 was the year that I qualified for Boston and I had run a hundred K and I had done something else really epic that year. I think I hit some other like running PR for me. I mean, I'll let me back up again. <laughs> Most of the accomplishments that I am excited about tend to be running accomplishments, or at least they used to be this year. And I am going to share my list with you this year. A lot of the things that made my list were um, business related, much more so than running related, running related. I had a, a good year, but it wasn't like a banner. Oh my gosh, everything wonderful in the world happened this year. So, so that first year when I sat down and wrote out a list, I, I started formulating some of the ideas. In fact, 2016 probably was the first year that I really started working on any of this really mindset stuff, this shifting the way I think about myself and my accomplishments and my business and my life in really any, any sort of a drastic way. You know, before that, I, you know, I've set re- resolutions since I can remember. I'm thinking really specifically. I don't know why this particular one comes to mind. I vividly remember being in sixth grade and listing out some New Year's resolutions. And the two that I can remember were drink more water and be nicer to people. (laughs) And it totally makes me laugh. It makes me laugh for a couple of reasons. Number one, because drink more water is still on my resolution list, except that now I'm a little bit better at saying drink you know, 64 ounces of water per day versus like what I used to do with just drink more. More doesn't have an end. We've talked about this. That's a, I, can I come up with an entire podcast episode where we've talked about the difficulty of that kind of language? I'm not sure if I've devoted an entire podcast to that. And that's going on the idea list, my friends, using language like more or better or nicer, like my other resolution. It's kind of problematic. And in fact, you know what? I will talk about that during next week's episode where we are doing the second part, part two of making successful resolutions. But anyways, 
it makes me laugh because I mean, drink more water is still on my list and be nicer to people is just, it's such a sixth grade thing to think. And it was such a thing for me personally that honestly, I'm, I'm still working on it. It being nice, being nice comes very naturally to me, but being nice in a way that's like nice all the time. It's, it's rough. In fact, when I read you my list, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. I'm still working on both of those resolutions that I set when I was 10 years old or 11 years old, but I have set different resolutions throughout my life. Some of them were, you know, fitness related. Some of them have been business related. Lately, they tend to fall into three categories. I, I tend to categorize my life in terms of business because I do work for myself. So I have a lot of personal business goals. I also think of goals in terms of running, which for me also includes fitness. Generally speaking, running is more quantifiable and therefore I tend to make more running goals versus like general fitness goals, like being fitter or, you know, lifting X amount of pounds or something like that. Those are, those are like soft goals in my mind, like things that I think about, but not necessarily something that I would write down as a resolution. And then I have personal goals also where I, I think about what kind of wife I want to be, what kind of mother I want to be, what kind of person I want to be. And I have specific goals for those, uh, that area of my life also. And you might find yourself having different goals for different areas of your life too. And again, it is something that we'll talk about a little bit more next week in terms of how to break down what sorts of goals you might set for yourself, what sorts of resolutions you might set for yourself. But I have found that those, those categories tend to work for me. I like having three categories because three is plenty of different things to think about, even though there are probably more areas of my life that I could improve. Those are the areas that I tend to, to think about and can keep sort of categorized in my mind. And in fact, even when I was recapping this year's successes, I I thought about those three different areas. So, so why is it so important to recap your successes. And why do most people skip this part? Let's actually start with that second question. I think most people skip this part because they don't think it's important because we as a society are so focused on moving forward that even though, I mean, even though at the same time, we frequently find ourselves kind of stuck in the past, reliving things that we regret, reliving things that we feel bad about, reliving things that we wish we could do differently, those sorts of thoughts that get stuck in our mind, we very rarely, again, as a society, this isn't necessarily like you personally, as a society, we don't generally tend to say, hey, take a look back at all the great things you have done this year. We, we absolutely are more than willing to take a look back at all the crappy things we've done. We're more than willing, most of us, to look forward and think, hey, what can I do better and get better at in the future? But thinking about your wins and your successes, my friends, this is critical to your success in the future. Here's why. Number one, it actually trains your brain to even look for success. Again, that's not something we do very often unless we ask ourselves to. You're not going to be great at a skill like looking for your successes unless you practice it. 
you can actually incorporate this kind of thinking into either your daily or your weekly or your monthly routine and get better at finding your successes. Practicing finding your successes will A, help you find more successes and B, help you get better at finding successes, which then C, will lead you to more success. Isn't that amazing? The other thing that it'll do is it'll actually help your brain to focus on results. So here we come back around to that fuzzy language thing again. This was something that I found myself doing when I was creating my own list. I was coming up with these kind of soft accomplishments, I guess is how I'm going to phrase that, where it was like, well, I got better at, or I tried to, or I practiced. And here's the thing, acknowledging those as wins, super important, excellent, excellent thing to do, but... What I kept asking myself while I was making my list was, what can I quantify? What was the result of, you know, trying to be nicer, (laughs) trying to drink more water? Like, what did I get out of it? Can I put numbers on any of these things? And I mean, half of them, uh, maybe not half, I don't know. I haven't looked. Hey, put some numbers on that. Maybe I'll count it up. (laughs) Where I feel like it was probably half and half with results-oriented slash number-oriented things that I accomplished this year, and probably about half, again, the the soft skills. So when you sit down, and yes, I do absolutely encourage you to sit down. When you sit down to recap your 2019, there's a couple of things that I want you to do. I want you to, first of all, set aside an hour. When I was making my list this morning, and let me tell you, I knew I was going to make my list. I'm throwing this at you. If, if you don't have you know, very much time right now, it, it's okay to put it aside for later, but have it in your mind that this is going to take you a while. It's going to be really, really easy, I hope, for you to come up with about three to maybe even 10 things. I mean, especially if you've practiced this before, you might be able to come up with 10 things pretty quickly. I'm going to encourage you to come up with a minimum of 25 things. That's a lot. That's something every other week. My, my like, wow, you're amazing at this goal for you would be to come up with 52 because that would be like one thing every week. And not that you have to have them in any kind of chronological order or that it's on any kind of a timeline like one a week. It's just kind of a nice thing to think about in terms of, you know, we're ending the year, there were 52 weeks. It's a logical, organized brain kind of thing. So that's my encouragement for you is to set aside an hour and aim for 52 things. Now, I'll tell you, it took me about 20 minutes because I was in a little bit of a hurry and I am going to, I'm going to finish my list later, but it took me about 20 minutes to come up with 25 things. A, because I've practiced this before. So it was a little bit quicker for me. B, I knew I was going to do this because I knew that I was going to talk about this topic today. And also, I, I mean, I had a pretty good year. I'll be honest. This year was a little bit easier again for me to do this process because I felt successful in 2019. And therefore it was, it was a little bit simpler to wrap my brain around. It was a little bit easier for me to come up with and remember good things that happened. The last, well, yeah, the last couple of years, it's, hasn't been quite that easy other than 2016. 2016 was a banner year. I've done this practice. I 
think I skipped 2017. In fact, I know I skipped 2017. 2017 was when my sister passed away in December. So I know for a fact that I did not set any goals or resolutions at all for 2018. And I'm pretty sure I didn't do the recap. I know in 2018 that I did a pretty brief recap. And I know for a fact that I actually set some pretty lofty resolutions and goals for myself in 2019. And again, we're going to talk about that next week where we can make successful resolutions part two. But for right now, recapping this year's successes, set aside an hour, aim for 52 items. And here's something super important. Write them down. Writing them down changes the way your brain thinks about it. I know there's scientific evidence for this and I can't like cite it for you right this second because I, I I don't know how many different places I've read this, but I know both anecdotally and scientifically that writing something down changes everything. It, it must make it more permanent in our brains somehow. And in fact, I'm thinking about this right now. When you think something your brain is accustomed to, you know, hearing your thoughts all day, every day. But that higher part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, that's the part of our brain that actually created and uses language. So I suspect that writing down something that you can read uses that prefrontal cortex in a way that thinking could be still using, you know, what we call the lizard brain, the the brain that all of us has that's mostly instinctual and for all intents and purposes is the subconscious. Your subconscious mind hears things all the time. And yes, it hears it in language, but putting that language outside of your body onto paper makes it feel and seem more permanent and uses your higher brain because you've had to bring the thought out of your brain and into your hand and onto the paper. I'm going to go with that. I, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll see if I can find some kind of like article or something with some kind of scientific reasoning behind why writing something down changes your brain. But just it does. And then the other thing that I really want you to think about is quantifying your results. Now, when I go through my list, you'll hear there are some there's some fuzzy math in here. I did not take the time again, a little bit of a hurry. I did not take the time to write down exact numbers. But if, for example, you had a goal to, you know, make a hundred thousand dollars this year, you'll want to write down that you made, you know, a hundred and three thousand dollars or whatever it is. You'll want to write down actual numbers. You'll want to write down the actual number of pounds you lost. You want to write down the actual number of times you exercise. Take the time, even though I didn't, this is a do as I say, not as I do sort of a situation. Take the time to look things up. And if you don't have the time to look things up, then take the time to at least Picture in your mind approximately how many times you did something or how much of something you did. Do the math as much as you can. Again, it forces your brain to think about things in a concrete way, not just, well, I drank more water. You're comparing yourself with either all or nothing. So yes, it's good if you're comparing it against nothing, but no, it's bad if you're comparing against all. By having a concrete number and knowing how close that was to your actual goal of drinking, you know, X number of ounces every day, it will help you focus on exactly what you accomplished. 
again, here's something that, not even again, I apologize. I did not, I did not already mention this. The way you think about what you've accomplished is what's going to help you accomplish more. And in that example, specifically, I drank more water. You are subconsciously, like I said, comparing yourself between all or nothing. And therefore, there's some kind of language in your head that is either a little bit negative, like, well, I could have done better, or a little bit positive, like, well, I did better than I used to. And until you acknowledge which one it is, you could very well be, because we all have years of practice with this, leaning towards that negative side. Could have done better. Should have done better. Should have lost more weight. Should have had more water. Should have exercised more. That fuzzy language of more or better or some, it opens your brain to self-criticism. Quantifying your accomplishments closes that door. It says, nope, I drank 120 ounces of water seven days last week. That's a concrete, quantifiable accomplishment that your brain, your subconscious brain, cannot argue with. Therefore, it will feel more like an accomplishment. Excuse me. Getting all choked up about these accomplishments. Actually, my mouth is getting dry. I need to drink more water. (laughs) It's always on my goal list. And I'm going to use better language with it. I'm going to drink 120 ounces of water today. Oh my gosh. No, I'm going to drink 60 ounces of water today. Anyways, when you take the time, write it down and quantify your results, my friends, this exercise, it may not feel super, super powerful in the moment. I mean, I really hope it does. I hope you get to the end of your list and you're like, holy moly, I had no idea that I had done this many things this year. I truly hope that in the moment it feels amazing, but even if it feels a little bit like, well, okay, that was pretty good in the moment, it will over time feel better. It will feel like something that you're capable of doing. I wholeheartedly encourage you to, like I said, add this into your routine. Weekly weekly is going to take a lot of practice. Monthly or quarterly, quarterly for me specifically because I'm in business for myself is how I tend to think about my goals. But practicing thinking about your accomplishments will put you in the mindset to experience your accomplishments. My friends, let's talk about my list. So some of these, I mean, I'm looking at number one here. Let me, okay, let me first say, these are not in any kind of order at all. Like truly, absolutely zero order went into this. They came to me as they came to me. I wrote them down more or less the way they came to me. I am going to explain some of them to you. Just, I mean, you don't, you don't know everything about my life. So I'm going to explain some of them to you. Try to keep it as simple as possible for yourself. And also here was the thing that I, I reminded myself so many times try really hard not to censor yourself. And the reason I mention this is because my number one on its surface doesn't even sound like an accomplishment. It It's something that any of us could do. My number one is I turned 50. <laughs> it's so silly. I mean, of course I turned 50. I used to be 49. I, I lived another 365 days. I turned 50. What's, what's to crow about with that? I have to tell you, I... 
I was not dreading 50. I was actually really looking forward to it. I, I looked forward to 50 even more than I looked forward to 40, and I was pretty excited about turning 40. But turning 50 feels really different in, in so many ways. It feels like like I kind of survived. And in fact, you'll notice that in uh, several of this year's recap accomplishments. I I survived being in my 40s. I survived, you know, five decades on this planet. I've, I've arrived somehow to age 50. And yeah, I didn't do a lot for that, but I absolutely felt accomplished by doing that. Don't censor yourself when things like upon actual reflection, feel a little bit silly. Let yourself write down accomplishments like, I turned 50 because you did. I mean, maybe you turned whatever you turned, but I turned 50. Number two is I niched down. Oh my gosh. This was so much harder for me than it needed to be. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this as brief as I can, but here's the thing about being in business for yourself. You need to have a very clear audience. I spent six years so far on YouTube trying so hard to be all the things to all the people and ended up being not a whole lot to not a whole many. And this year, I really struggled. I really debated. I went back and forth. I I think I actually went full blast into trying to have content for every single different kind of person who watches my videos. And I finally decided that in order to be successful, I needed to listen to every piece of business advice I've ever heard ever since I've been in business for myself, which is to niche down. It was super, super scary for me because I knew for a fact that I would lose people that by saying I make workouts for women over 50, that I was going to possibly alienate men, for example, even though, I mean, 90% of my audience was women anyways, it still is. I actually don't think I've lost any male followers. I could alienate women or men of all ages, specifically younger people. I could alienate the people who loved my older workouts where I was trying really hard to pretend like I was younger than I was and I made really, really difficult workouts. I could alienate runners because I don't really make running videos anymore very often. I could alienate lots of people for lots of reasons. And it was super, super scary to say this specific video content is all that I am going to provide. Quickly on this, again, this could be an entire podcast in itself, but that sort of thinking where I felt like narrowing down eliminated my choices, which it does, but I felt like I wouldn't be doing enough. I wouldn't be providing enough. I wouldn't be successful because there would be this, this lack. I would only be providing to one kind of person was really hard for me to overcome. And what I have found is that by telling that one kind of person that I am always going to make content for them, that I have found so much more success because as a YouTuber, 
you have to let people know what they're going to get from you. I mean, you know this when you, when you consume any kind of product or are a customer of any kind of business, you know that you want to get from them the thing that they provide. You buy, you know, cheese from Tillamook because you know that they make good cheese. You know, yeah, they also make yogurt and other, you know, dairy products, but Tillamook isn't trying to make, I can't come up with something else off the top of my head. They're not trying to make corn chips, for example. You know, you know what you're going to get. I, as a business provider, needed to tell you that this is what you're going to get. And that was a huge mental accomplishment for me. I'm going to keep moving on with my list now, even though I could talk about that more. (laughs) Number three is I more than doubled 2018's income. That was huge. That was actually my number one focus this year was working on, this is going to sound so crass, but I'm going to say it anyways. I was working on making more money. Again, I've been in business for six years now on YouTube and 2018 was really, 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 really close to being my last year in business. I I didn't want to quit. And so therefore I'm, I'm really thinking hard about how I want to say this. I didn't want to quit. I knew I wasn't going to quit, but I also, after five years in business, wasn't even for the time that I was putting in, I wasn't even making minimum wage. I was not making a living wage. And I love what I do. I adore what I do. This is the best job I've ever had. And boy, do I have a good boss, but I wasn't making money. And that's why in 2019, it became a real focus on, for me to, to think about ways to be successful doing what I do and not, not doing what I do to make money, but, but to make money. I mean, I'm in business for a reason. This is a business. This isn't a charity. This isn't something, well, it is something that I do for fun, but it is something that I do to pay my bills and to survive and to be a contributing part of my family's income. And so 2019 was, a, an, I'm going to call it a livable wage. I, I actually still have some pretty lofty goals for 2020, um, partly because I'm finding some success and partly because I, I would like to be more helpful to my family. I would like to I would like to do more. I'd like to be more. I'd like to create more. I would like very much to help you find success too, which helps me find success. So that was, that was huge. More than doubling my income. I mean, again, 2018's income was really tiny, but more than doubling it felt like just an enormous accomplishment. I'm super, super proud of that one. Um, number four, I helped five women reach their weight loss and running goals. And the number five is you're going to be like, wow, only five. Not entirely true. I have, I've heard from at least, I'm going to say definitely dozens, probably hundreds, and maybe even at this point, thousands of women who told me through comments and such that, you know, I've changed their lives, that I've helped them reach goals, that I've helped them accomplish things, that I've gotten them started on running when they didn't think they could run, that I've gotten them off the couch when they didn't think that they could exercise. I hear these things pretty frequently, and I don't mean to discount them because every time I get a message like that or hear a comment like that, it feels amazing. But what I'm going with really specifically on this one is that I 
personally, one-on-one coached five different women to reach their weight loss and running goals through personal coaching, which is something that I've, I've really added, um, well, I've really added that this year. I, I've done personal coaching kind of off and on, and it's been sort of something I do, but it's something that I am going to actually be focusing on a little bit more in 2020. And that's part of why I was thinking about it when I was working on this list today is that I, I really helped five women personally achieve goals that they needed help with. And that feels amazing to me. I mean, this is the reason I love my job so much is helping people do things that they didn't think they could do. Um, number five, I created several new products, which was really exciting because I had, I I hadn't exactly forgotten, but I hadn't really sat down and thought about what I created this year. I created a new, uh, weight loss for women after menopause program. I created a flexibly fit program. I just created a weight loss over 50 program. I created a fitness over 50 program. I've I think those are the, those are the main ones. I've retweaked and rejiggered a couple of older programs. I'm I'm always excited about that. Creating programs is it's a task. Let me be honest. It is a task that takes a couple of weeks at a time to really put all the pieces together, to think about the programming and then to do all the graphics work and and everything else. So the fact that I've created several different programs this year feels really amazing. I was I was really pleased with that. Number six, I nearly doubled my YouTube subscribers, which was really, really exciting. I, I haven't actually looked back at the numbers from prior years. I don't know if doubling my subscribers is my normal rate. That feels like a lot. I don't, in fact, I, I don't know. And I'm not going to try and quantify that one right this second. I know that I started the year with about 33,000 subscribers, I think. And I am finishing the year with just shy of 60,000 subscribers. And that feels amazing. And that's actually only on my main YouTube channel. I have almost a thousand subscribers on, on this podcast channel. (laughs) You know, you guys, I, again, if you're listening to the podcast by itself, you might not even know. I have a YouTube channel. It's Paula B Fitness, where I make workouts for women over 50. It's really late in the podcast to be introducing that part of it. But I assume, honestly, I assume if you're listening to the podcast that you actually know me from my YouTube channel as opposed to the other way around. But it occurs to me as the podcast gains like more listeners that you might have found me through the podcast, which is amazing and is one of the resolutions that I'm going to be setting for next year, which we'll talk about next week. Okay. Number seven. I survived another year of Vicky being gone. That's my sister who passed away in 2017. And this is another one of those things where it's like, okay, time passes anyways, Paula, but it, it does feel like an accomplishment. I, I feel better about time passing this year than I did last year. And thinking about it as an accomplishment that I survived another year that I, you know, made some mental changes in how I have been dealing with grief. I've made some physical changes in how I'm dealing with grief. It really, when I was, when it popped into my head as an accomplishment, I wrote it down before I could let myself overthink it because it feels like an accomplishment. So therefore it went on the list. In that same vein, I navigated the boys. That's my kids. I navigated the boys 19th and 21st years. My kids are 19 and 21 right now. And I've noticed, 
I've noticed that young adulthood is more challenging than almost any other age. And I, I knew this was coming. I mean, in so many ways, I, my brother has kids who are about five years older than my kids. You know, my sister's kids are a couple years older than my kids also. So I've watched, you know, that parenting thing from, from my siblings and, I remember being 19 and 20 and really everything from about 16 to 25 was just so difficult for me that I'm not surprised at how they're kind of feeling right now at this age, but it's really interesting being on this side of it and navigating their young adulthood and our changing relationship as they become adults themselves feels like an accomplishment to me. It really does. It's, I, I personally have always taken my parenting seriously in the sense of, <clears throat> I, I'm happy with how I parent. I'm happy with how my kids are turning out and it feels like an accomplishment. So it made the list. I feel like I'm going to say that a lot. Okay. Number nine, this one's really quantifiable and very easy. I ran a 50 mile race. Woohoo! Back in August, I ran my third 50 miler? At least my third. I think it's only my third though. I run, I think six now that are 50 miles or more, but I ran a 50 mile race and I was really proud of that. It was a rough day, but I'm really, really proud of that accomplishment. Um, number 10 in that vein, you'll find this on your own list too. I thought about this when I was writing them down. One accomplishment will remind you of a couple of other things. So you'll have like a whole section of, Oh, I ran this. Oh, I ran this. Oh, I ran this. So number 10 is I ran three and a third 50 Ks in the space of five weeks. And that was something I was super, super proud of. Um, and in fact, I do have a podcast about that where lessons I learned from doing an ultra series. Uh, it was, it was a different kind of challenge than anything I've done before. And it was super exciting. And I'm really, really proud of the fact that I was able to do that. The fact that I was physically and mentally capable of pulling something like that off. Number 11, I lost weight, which of course is in this little pod because after I ran the 50 mile race, I basically stopped running. I gave myself time to recover and I lost some weight, which is something that I hadn't really planned on doing this year. So it's, it's really interesting to have that make the accomplishments list because it wasn't even really on my radar at the beginning of 2019. And yet when I set out to do it, I absolutely made it happen and I accomplished it. And I'm really proud of that. Number 12 is I created a new YouTube channel, a new podcast, which is this one. So you already knew that. Number 13 is I created about 100 new workouts. This is another one. I did not take the time to go and quantify it, but I did the, I sat there for a couple of seconds and I was like, okay, how many workouts do I make a week? Well, I make one a week now, but I started off the year. I used to make four. That was what I was telling you about how I used to try and make like at least one workout every week for different parts of my audience. And I was really a running myself ragged and B not, not giving anybody a real quality of content that I was hoping for. But because of all of the different workouts that I did, I I put out about a hundred new workouts this year, which when I sit and think about that, that's amazing. That's an average of almost two every single week. That's, that's impressive to me. I'm really, really proud of that. Um, this one's so silly, but I'm really proud of it. Also (laughs) number 14, I learned how to do Instagram stories. So here's the thing about being in business for yourself. You have to do, I mean, maybe you don't have to, if, 
depending on what kind of business you run, you, you more or less need a social media presence. So I do all my own social media. I, I, research how, and I've known for a long time that I needed to do Instagram stories because they're important, but I had never just popped in there and gone for it. And so about two months ago, I started publishing Instagram stories and it feels huge because I did not know what I was doing. And they're super fun. It's something I'm having difficulty doing consistently. And that's, here's, here's what we were talking about. Try very hard not to qualify the things that you are quantifying. I am proud that I got into Instagram stories, that I figured out how to do it, and that I made it happen. There is room for improvement, absolutely, but that's not what I'm focusing on with this list. When you are recapping your year, focus on the results, focus on your wins, And yes, of course, there will be times where you'll think about, oh, I could have done this, or I should have done this, or I want to do this. Go ahead and use that as information to fuel part two that we're going to talk about next week, about where you want to go from here. When we're recapping, we're really focusing on the win aspect of it, not the where can I improve thing. Number 15, I hired help. This again was huge. This might be super, super easy for other people to do, but admitting that I needed help and then paying money when, again, coming back to the, you know, I'm barely making a living wage thing. It's been really hard for me to put money into the business when I felt like I wasn't making money, but I have learned that when I pay other people to do things, it frees me up to do the stuff that makes money. I can do more coaching. I can create more programs. I can create more workouts. I can do the things that are important to business versus constantly creating graphics or, or pinning things on Pinterest or doing the kind of not menial tasks, but the day-to-day tasks that take a lot of time, but that don't earn money. So that was huge. Um, number 16 in that vein, I went to an accountant for taxes. I mean, speaking of, speaking of money fears, paying taxes as a person who is in business for myself, it is something that I know has held me back. I am working on this fear that I have that, you know, the more money I make, the more taxes I'll have to pay. And that whole owing money in April thing, it's been a huge, huge mental hurdle for me to, to work on at all. And so hiring an accountant who can look at all my business income and look at my, you know, my expenses and say, yes, here we go. And file the taxes for me was just an enormous relief. And honestly, it made me feel like a real business person, which was very exciting. Number 17, I spent really good quality time with both boys. And this was something that I actually, I wrote that down as a very, it's a very soft thing. But when I wrote it down, I was thinking really specifically of a couple of conversations that I had with each of them individually when we were just able to spend time together in a way that made me really happy. And I think strengthened our bond as mother and son and and even mother and sons, even with both of them together, there were, there were a lot of times this year where I just felt really good about my parenting. And that's why it made the list twice. And in fact, I think it even makes it a third time because I was, I was really happy with that. Um, number 18, I started a Q and a in the hive. Okay. So the, the killer beehive is my super private and supportive, uh, Facebook group. And it's getting bigger, which is awesome, but it's also getting 
difficult to make sure that I give the kind of attention to everybody that I want to give. And so I had what I thought was a brilliant idea of hosting a weekly question and answer session. And it's working out, I think, really, really well. And so I feel like it is a huge accomplishment that I, A, had that idea and B, am implementing that idea. Number 19, I practiced self-love in a significant way. And again, I actually, I actually quantified this for myself. I, I have started a daily practice of managing my mind. And I've been working on this. Well, I've been working on my mindset for years, like we talked about, probably since about 2016 in a really significant way. But this year I took it a step further and it became a daily practice where I set aside time every single day to work on self-love and to think about myself and loving myself and accepting myself and understanding myself. And I'm really, really proud of the fact that I've done that, but also I'm really proud of the results that it's bringing about. And that's part of why this podcast even exists is because it's so, so important to love yourself. And it's so something I feel so passionately about that I like sharing these messages every single week with you so that you can experience the kind of profound change that I have. Number 20, and I don't know why this was related in my mind, but I think it was. Number 20 is I drove on a super scary road in Hawaii. And actually, I do know why that's related because I was thinking about how one of the things that I am working on with my self-love journey is doing scary things. I mean, sometimes they're, they're kind of physically scary and sometimes they're just mentally or emotionally scary. But when we went to Hawaii in June, I, I did not drive the road to Hana. If you've ever done that one, we went around the North part of the Island, which is essentially the same thing. It is literally a single lane road with a couple of bump outs to be able to let other people pass. And it, it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever done in my entire life. And I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I did that and I didn't cry or I didn't yell or I didn't feel scared. I absolutely did all of those things. I was in tears. I was, I don't think I yelled, but I definitely raised my voice and I definitely had to like talk myself through it. I felt fearful the entire time we were on the road, but I did it anyway. And I'm super, super proud of that. Number 21 is I gave up caffeine, which is actually part of the self-love thing too. I realized that caffeine was really making me or not helping my anxiety. And I have been drinking coffee. Oh my gosh. No, I've been drinking caffeine, not just coffee. I've had soda. I remember, I remember calling my mom at work when I was probably seven years old to ask her if we could split a Pepsi three ways. <laughs> That's how long I've been drinking soda. And in fact, I'm sure that wasn't even like my first time. I think I've been drinking soda since I was really, really young. So I've had caffeine most of my life, if not really all of my life. And I am so happy to not rely on it anymore. I do still drink decaf coffee. I still like the routine of that in the morning, but not having that caffeine headache, not feeling like, oh, I really need a dose of caffeine or a cup of coffee to wake me up or that reliance on it that I know I used to feel. I'm really, really happy to not feel that anymore. Number 22, I helped Dave, that's my husband, I helped Dave run his dream goal. This this is one of those things that I know that, in fact, there's several of them, the next couple that are helping accomplishments. 
and you you might set your own boundaries on whether or not you think of them as accomplishments or not. I personally feel amazing that I was able to help my husband accomplish something that he felt was amazing. I was so proud to be part of that. I, I know that what I did was helped keep his spirits up and helped him run better. I ran the last 26 miles of a hundred mile race that he ran, which sounds so funny. Look, I mean, I ran a marathon, which is awesome, but it was only a quarter of what he ran. So it felt so weird to be like, you know, yeah, I ran 26 miles, but you know, he ran, he ran so far. It took him just shy of 24 hours, which was the whole point. He wanted to come in under 24 hours. And the fact that I was able to be there for him and help keep his spirits up and help him run so much more than he wanted to. He, he wanted to walk and I kept saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm, I'm just really, I'm proud of him. Obviously his, his accomplishment in that situation is significantly more than mine, but that doesn't take away how much of an accomplishment it was for me. And I want that to be super clear when you are writing down your accomplishments, helping somebody else do something super epic is an accomplishment for you too. And in that vein, number 23, I helped Andy, that's my older son, run his first marathon. I helped him train. I helped him create his training plan. I rode my bike with him on some long runs. I, I'm so, so proud of his accomplishment. And it is his accomplishment because ultimately, you know, he had to do the thing. But I'm happy and proud of myself for making the time to do it and for being invested in his accomplishment and for accomplishing it myself. You know, that, that wasn't easy for me either. And I'm really happy that I was able to put that into my schedule and put that into my life. And that's why it made the list. And then of course, because I'm a mom and a wife, I had to include my younger son also. You'll find yourself doing this too, especially if you do the helper accomplishments like this. So I helped Jake. That's my younger son. I helped him gain muscle mass this year. This is something that when we sat down at the beginning of the year and talked about his goals for himself, he really wanted to bulk up. And it was interesting listening to him set resolutions where we really tried to quantify it. Like, what exactly do you want to get out of it? What do you want to look like? What do you want to feel like? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? And it's really been an ongoing conversation all year with him trying to manage how how he feels versus what he's doing and what he wants. And it's been, it's been a huge accomplishment for him, of course, to do all the actual work. But I'm again, really proud of myself for helping coach him and not just, you know, nag him to get up and work out, but helping coach him and answer questions about what's the right thing to do here, or what can I expect to get from this? Or, you know, how, how do I quantify something when I just want to feel big? And yet, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to gain muscle or lose weight. There are times when your body still feels exactly the same as it's always felt. And getting past that kind of mental hurdle, it requires, it requires some help. And I have helped coach him through that. And I'm really proud of that. That's why it made the list. And okay. Again, number 25, I'm, I'm finishing up with another money thing. I helped pay for a lot of things this year. When we got new flooring, when we paid off our cell phones, 
I, I helped pay for the trip to Hawaii. We went to North Carolina. We went to Southern California. I was able to be part of the family income in a way that I have never been before. And that felt amazing. So that's my 25. This is, I mean, this, I know this turned really personal, but I I want you to understand that your accomplishments don't have to be the kind of accomplishments that other people think are a big deal. I'm sure there were plenty of things on my list that you were like, well, okay. I mean, that's kind of no big deal. I do that in my sleep or, or whatever. And that's okay. You do not have to judge your accomplishments. Your accomplishments do not have to meet some minimum standard. You do not have to have accomplished something epic or amazing. It just needs to feel good to you. There's no, there's no prize at the end of this, this task here, except for you feeling good about what you've done this year. And therefore, when you focus on the things that make you feel good, that's all you need to do. I really hope that this has been helpful for you. I know, I mean, we we got off on lots of different topics this week, but I really hope that this has been helpful for you in a way that can actually spur you to sit down and do this task. I cannot stress enough how important this part of the process is. It was so important that I just made an entire rather long episode of the podcast for it. Part one of making successful resolutions is recapping this year's successes. I wholeheartedly encourage you to do it. I'm losing my voice now, which means we've talked for a long time. (coughs) Excuse me. I would love, 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 love to hear anything about your list. You can just give me a number. Hey, I came up with 87 things. You can tell me some of the specifics. You can tell me your whole list. I, whatever you want to share is what I want to share. And I love it when you do. You can find me on social. I'm always on, I mean, in the, the show notes, either below, if you're watching on video or if you're listening on the podcast or whatever, you can always find me at paulabfitness.com. You can always find me on YouTube with the Fitness Matters podcast. You can always find me on Instagram, the Fitness Matters podcast. I'm findable. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere, man. You know how this works. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you follow or subscribe. I will talk to you next week about making successful resolutions part two, and I'm totally looking forward to that. But in the meantime, have a very happy and safe New Year's Eve, and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.